in Eschutes, chapter 15. Anna had told me how badly she wanted me to stay alive. I'd never thought that maybe it was because she herself still wanted to be alive. How she would have given anything not to haunt a barracks full of discarded young men. To read a book about something other than Navy SEALs donated to the library. Or kiss someone without making them feel like an icebox. To eat gummy worms and finally taste Chinese food. To not relive her own violent murder or forced abortion. Seeing the skull, the finality and permanence of her last earthly remains, drove home that she knew a lot more than I did about that thing I constantly fantasized about. So now I was trying to choose life, but it was proving more difficult than I could have known. I was still depressed, and like someone who had Ouija board opened some forbidden portal, I was still haunted. The early November sun blazed on the windows of the bus we rode to the caserne across town. I remembered my bus ride through Bergberg when I first arrived there from the States, watching the sunlight travel in course over the floorboards. I caught a faint memory of how naive I had been then, excited, optimistic, hopeful. Now I was sitting next to a boy in a gray uniform with a split swollen lip and an arm in a sling. I did my best to ignore him, and he did his best to stare malevolently at me. I could feel the eyes of Jens, the farmer, cum deliverer of babies, sitting behind me, breathing his icy breath on the nape of my neck. If I paid more attention to him, I would see a sorrow in his eyes and be reminded of the good things Jens had done. Deftly taking the reins from me at the clinic and delivering babies during air raids as the building shook and the sirens blared. He comforted mothers, and had looked up at me with pride after he sucked a blockage of mucus from the throat of an apparently stillborn infant, and then held the living, crying baby up to the light. Second to Anna, he was one of the more dangerous ones, because if I paid him too much mind, it became even harder to close the door I was trying to shut on how real some of these phantoms had been, and how some of them, even if they had been Nazis, had done good things, and also how much I had been needing them to keep going every day. And maybe if I went back to them, I could help somehow save them, and then escape myself. I had to quit engaging them. Had to quit inviting them. I had to quit thinking about Anna most of all. Just the very thought of her felt raw and cold like the gritty dirt on her skull. So I kept my eyes straight ahead. PFC Albert and Specialist Springsteen rode in the seat in front of me, talking about the World Series. I wished I could be like them. Care about the same things. Albert was from Kansas or Utah or someplace where nice people came from. He was genuinely friendly and funny and likable. He was only on Rear D because he arrived after the unit had already deployed. Because my antics in the basement had proven me unreliable, Albert had been assigned to babysit Springsteen. Being the kind of guy Albert was, he didn't seem to mind. The funny thing was a regiment of dragging Springsteen to soccer practice and hiking and forcing him to oogle the girls at the mall downtown seemed to be helping. I had to admit that my government-issued crazy guy being cured by someone else made me feel a little bad. In fact, that was the first time I felt anything one way or the other about the living in a while. In trying to become normal again, I started going to regular mills and eating with the guys in my squad. The first morning after finding the skull, I stared at some syrupy pancakes in the chow hall, trying desperately to avoid the line of jack-booted youth across the table glaring at me over the steam of their soup. They're not here, I heard myself say, a sound that came out like a whisper against a hurricane of things I could not stop or control. You guys want to go on a field trip? Albert had asked thankfully giving me something else to focus on. He was also in charge of some program to plan trips for barracks guys so they would have healthy alternatives to drinking. It usually involved visiting one or more of Germany's 2.9 billion castles over the weekend. It sounds fun until you realize most castles are all alike. Where? I asked. The craft store, he said emphatically. I want to show you the super hot chick who works there. You gonna ask her out? I asked. The phrase felt vaguely familiar in my mouth, as if that was what I was supposed to ask. Hope so, 
You in? Sure, I said, once again feeling funny about agreeing to go anywhere or do anything with someone that had a pulse. The craft shop was part of a hobby shop that was set forth in an effort to try to find something constructive for privates to do that didn't involve drugs or alcohol. See the theme? Both facilities were under a tennis court on the old Panzer Kazone across town. Now on the bus, I listened to Springsteen and Albert engage in an intense conversation about baseball, a sport I always hated. I was tempted to turn to my invisible companion with a split lip and ask how the war was going, but I stopped myself. I had to pretend to care about the living, and after hearing Albert and Springsteen's chatter about grown men being paid millions of dollars to throw balls at each other, I had to admit it was going to be tough. I exited the bus, relieved that Split Lip didn't follow. I didn't look back to see if Jens was still with me, but I couldn't feel him staring at me, so that was a nice start. Once the cowbell over the door clanged in the stuffy little room, I realized what a mistake this was. The craft shop was a pantheon of yarn and fabric and crappy paint-by-numbers kits of unicorns and Mount Rushmores. How do three guys invade a place like this in search of a hot girl, but pretend they're just browsing for some fabric swatches or whatever it is people bought in this place? A very fat, hairy cat came out to meet us. It had its own carpet monstrosity of some sort of cat jungle gym sprouting from the corner of the room. I shot Albert a skeptical look. This was not the natural habitat of a hot chick. By the look of things, it was the grotto of an aged grandma, perhaps wearing wool socks with Birkenstocks, maybe with a little Wiccan mixed in. An old, heavy-set woman with white hair and pigtails peeked at us from an inner office, then waddled out onto the scene. Hello, she beamed at us happily. Hello, we said back, like an awkward troop of Boy Scouts on an outing. Maybe we'll score some milk and cookies anyway, Springsteen mumbled. What can I help you gentlemen with? She asked in a funny accent. It sounded like American Southern, but clipped somehow. Germany, especially around American bases, was filled with odd accents. Germans who spoke English well enough, they barely had an accent. Some who had learned it so well they sounded British. Germans who had espoused Americans and spent years of their lives in southern armpits like Fort Bragg and Fort Benning, and who now sounded like German rednecks. I pondered this nuance of place for a while, happy not to be thinking about dead folks. We, Albert fished for a good lie, we want to get stuff for our moms. Well, that is wonderful, said the woman, smiling. I think I have what you're looking for back here. Sabine, she called to the back room. Can you help these gentlemen? A bored-looking girl in her late teens or early twenties came out of the back room. Apparently Albert wasn't completely full of crap. The girl was in fact very pretty, and a spark of recognition hit me when I noticed how much she looked like Anna. Every now and then I'd see a girl, especially a German one who looked like Anna, in which Anna's features seemed to ghost over her countenance. Then I'd find myself having trouble breathing. Sabine, the shop girl, began to help my buddies on an imaginary quest for Mother's Day gifts, at least six months too early. I felt sad and bored, not really wanting to play along. I tried to keep my thoughts from wandering to the forbidden place, but I saw my own reflection in the glass of a framed jigsaw puzzle of Venice. The acne-scarred Private Durer stared at his own reflection next to me as he raised his cigarette up to his mouth. I looked to my left, relieved that at least he was only appearing in reflections. I moved away, hoping to catch up with my buddies. Then I saw him, Anna, and her father and two other people stood in a black-and-white photo hanging on the wall behind the counter. Her hair was longer, and she looked a little younger, but it was Anna. Standing behind her, resting a hand on her shoulder, was Mr. Death's head, his uniform replaced by a suit and tie. There is a woman and a boy also in the photo, who I assumed were her mother and brother. "'You like old pictures?' a voice asked, and I jumped. It was the pretty girl's grandmother studying me curiously. With a lot more emotion than I intended, I blurted out, where did you find that picture? She frowned. My uncle gave it to me, she said, using the German word for uncle. 
Thy uncle, I asked. She smiled a little. He was like my uncle, she said. Where did he get it? She looked a little surprised. I'm not sure, she shrugged. The little girl there, she said, pointing at the teenage Anna in the photo, was my mother. Your mother? The old lady frowned at me and nodded. I'm old, aren't I? She said, as if fishing for why I would be so surprised. I shook my head. She never had any kids. The old woman cocked a curious eyebrow. How do you know this? She asked, a little bemused. Her name was Anna Schutz, I heard myself say, the words sounding funny in the quiet of the room as if they were, they were coming from someone else. She was murdered on the Luftwaffe Kaserne during the war, and she never had any kids. Anna was mine. The photo was mine, by default. And this lady had no idea what she was talking about. The good-natured maternal expression she wore melted, and her face went slack. How did you know her name? She said. I just wanted to thank you for listening. I hope that you like the story. Right now, this podcast is available on YouTube. It's available on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. So if you're not already listening to the story in your preferred format, please look at the links below and find what you need. If you go onto Facebook and do a search for Keystrokes Amid Cobwebs, you can find our Facebook page and learn more about the show and also potential future shows. So please get on there so we can become friends. And finally, I'm really looking for feedback. Do you like the story? Do you hate it? What are some things you enjoyed or things you would change? Um, if you can, please give me an email at keystrokesamidthecobwebs at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Thank you.